I'm going to just say three, two, one, and then go. Right. Three, two, one. Hey guys, GBC podcast number 53. I'm Courtney Wise. I'm Shane Blankenship. Okay, this is a little heavy, but I know you can walk us through it. Okay. I know you can do it. It's going to be maybe a little sporadic, I feel like. Um, yeah. There's a lot of ways this could go. Well, yes. We're just going to take it like one bite at a time. But, okay. Um, I've, I've been thinking and wondering, and sometimes you're embarrassed to ask these questions, right? But reading about like in the beginning in Genesis, Adam and Eve, the fall, we all, we all know the story, but like, why would a loving God let the serpent tempt Eve, let her make the choice that she made and Adam, you know, mm -hmm. do all that. Like, what did he create us for? If he just knew we were going to mess it all up. Which when she kind of posed this question before we started rolling, um, I was like, well, it's going to be the shortest podcast in the world because I'm going to be like, I, I don't really know. <laughs> like, so, so I think, I think there are some, there are some things that we can walk through and reasons why maybe God lets that happen or, or why God did it that way, I guess, or what he's teaching us. That's probably the easiest way to, to begin to talk about it is like, what, what lessons might we be learning through all of this, but to get down to the mind of God and why God would do it in the first place, knowing all that, like, I have no idea. Um, I'm not even going to lean into that. I won't be so arrogant to even, you know, try to, to, to broach that topic. But I think that we can look at it from, you know, well, what does this mean in the light of Jesus and my faith in Christ Jesus? What does this mean in light of me following God? What, is, what does this mean in light of those things? Because I think that changes things. Are you saying like ye of little faith looking at me? No, no, no. But I am saying that, so I think we always ask this question and it's always me-centric. It's always us-centric, right? It's always about, yeah. you know... You know, why, you know, if he's a loving God, then why does he, and it's almost accusatory and it's, and it's always about me. So yeah. it's, so the focus is always, yeah, about what I'm going to lose or what's being taken away from me. Cause I love my stuff and I don't want to lose my stuff. So, so God, why would you, if you love me, then why would you let them take my stuff? Cause you know, I love it. If you love me, why would you let it, let it take my health? Cause you know, I love me. I love me more than anything. Right. You know, we all love us and me. Um, and it, so it becomes very me centric and not Christ centric. And it's, impossible to follow Jesus if it's not Christ-centric. Like, he's got to be, he's got to be the focus. He's got to be the thing that our mind is set on. He's got a thing that our, he is, he is the one that, that, that our way is in, because it's about his way, and it's about his plan, and it's about his purpose, and it's about his promise. And so, God, what are you doing in this? God, what are you teaching in me in this? Um, you know, God, I don't understand this, but I still trust you, and I know that you are good, and I know that you're going to work things for the good. So I think those are become maybe better questions, if you will. Um, but I think that God is certainly teaching us about love. And I think God is certainly teaching us about his grace. And I think God is certainly teaching us about his mercy and all of those things that even when we fall, he picks us up and loves us anyways. Even though it looks like evil may have won, evil has not won. Um, and it will not have the final say so. Um, but I, it's hard to, to, to really, I think, grasp those things and maybe embrace those things if you don't have the trial and you don't have the struggle. You know, how do you know that God is a powerful God if there, are, there is no instance in your life where he is exercising his power? How do you know he is good if there is not evil to be overcome in your life? How do you know that he is a healer if you're not broken? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can shout about it all day long, 
but it changes things when you've been broken and God heals you. Mm -hmm. But you got to be broken for you to know he's a healer, if that makes sense. It, it makes sense. I'm writing down stuff as you're talking. So um, the first thing is God gives us wisdom, right, as he mm -hmm. sees fit. So if, if I really do have this question and it's like this burning thing during my quiet time, I think I'll, I'll know something more than I know now that will satisfy that curiosity for the time being. Am sure. I right I to think say that? you got to definitely seek him and seek his, seek his way, seek his mind in it, seek his heart in it. And it's exactly what you just said. I think that if you are asking him and seeking him in it, then God begins to show you and God begins to reveal you. And sometimes we're just asking, but we're not seeking. Yeah. Right? We, we want to know or we're looking for an answer, but we're not, we're not really seeking him in it. You know, we just... I, I wonder if it often comes from a place of arrogance, you know? Um, or intimidation. Uh, I learned that last hmm. night in the Bible study, how many um, women are intimidated by, amen, um, op just opening up the Bible, which it is. It's, I've, I've said this a million times, Shane, and I, I can say this because we're friends, but, I mean, the Bible can be boring. Sure. Um, and it, if you don't have the right version or you, uh, if you're lost, it, it's... Or if you start off in like uh, begats and so and so begats, so and so and so and so begats, oh, I mean, absolutely, like, you get dropped. Someone quick. kill me now! Like yeah. I can't. Um, so I've personally had to like pray for the desire to want to read the Bible. And now I'm there. You can see all. Mm -hmm. You know, I love it now. But I I understand that. And so yes, these questions um, do require you to have to have some quiet time with God and pray. For sure. But I, you know, I think what you just said on top of just the pure intimidation of this thing right here. It's like, I don't even know what I just read sometimes, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So that, um, another thing that I wrote down as you were talking is like, God created us for his pleasure. And so like, he can really do whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, I mean like, that's the only thing that I can, I'm like, it, it just is what it is, which makes me humble at the same time. Mm -hmm. and, and I think another way of looking at it is for his glory. Um, yeah. God created us for his glory. Yeah. And he wants to reveal who he is, not just to us so that we would know him, but make himself known through our lives. So I think um, a, a great example, um, you know, looking through the scripture, people who were born, um, there's a man who's born blind, and the disciples asked Jesus, well, who sinned, this man or his parents? Because he was in the womb, he oh, was born blind. Yeah. So it was like, he kind of sinned somewhere in life, and God's, because the, the prevailing thought was, well, God's punishing people for their, their sin, right? I mean, that's the prevalent thought yeah. in the ancient world among Hebrews, among pagans. I mean, you totally. name it, right? You know, God's punishing us. And so must've done something wrong. Yeah. And Jesus says, oh, he didn't do anything wrong. And neither did his parents. This isn't about his sin. He was born that way for my glory. And then Jesus opens his eyes. Um, and so as I've talked many times on a Sunday morning, um, recovery of sight for the blind, the restoration of sight for the blind, that's something that only the Messiah does. Mm -hmm. That's something that only God, this is going to be one of the signs with how do you know this is the Messiah? How do you know this one is God and not just a prophet or not an imposter? Because he can, he, can, he can give sight to the blind. So, you know, the disciples are asking questions about this man's you know, past or present or whatever or his parents um, and sin. And Jesus is like, no, no, he was born this way because watch what I'm about to do. And I'm going to open his eyes. Um, and this incredible miracle that happens does the does the the 30 years i'm just going to throw out a number does the 30 years of suffering through life as a blind man even compare does it even matter anymore i, I, I mean does like it does matter in the whole grand scheme of things because that man knows what it's like to be blind and he knows what an incredible gift that god has just done for him but we don't know anything about his past what we know is about the miracle that jesus did in his life 
and what happened next. That's what we know. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. I mean, even his parents are like, that's their son. And I don't know how he was healed, but he's obviously been healed. And of course, the text even even tells us like they're scared they're going to be thrown out of the synagogue because everybody who starts following Jesus are are being thrown out. Right. And that moment, you know, that that's costing them community. So hey, there we just that's a nice segue, right? So Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah. If you if you want to if you want to follow after, so that I mean. Picking up your cross speaks to suffering. Picking up your cross means this is going to cost you something. Persecution. There's going to be, yeah, this is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Blessed. Um, blessed in unbelievable ways. I mean, you're going to experience things and know things and see things that you would not otherwise if you don't follow me. But there's going to be a cost to this, um, to following me. And Well, you were blind, but now you can see. I mean, how many believers say, like, I feel like I was asleep, and then when I was saved or when I had an experience with the Holy Spirit, I became awake. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I spent, you know, I'm 40. I spent the first 40 years of my life. I mean, I'm not going to say that. But yeah. I spent the first 40 years of my life asleep, and now I'm awake. Yeah. Same thing. Absolutely. You know, so he restored my my eyesight to have a more heavenly view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perspective yeah. rather than just thinking about these earthly things. So, like, all of this makes sense. It's still just a hard question. Yeah, it's still a hard question. Again, I don't know if there's great answers out there no, for was, or or satisfying answers like if you really have that question I, I mean I don't I don't know but I do know that maybe there are better questions that we can ask and I, I, I wonder if there are more God-centric questions of instead of why would God let this happen is well, well what's God even teaching us in this yeah like God if God is revealing to us something about who he is making himself known to us in what way? Well, maybe the better question is, God, what are you, what are you trying to do in this? What are, you, what, what are you teaching me? I know you're good, and I know you're in control, so I'm going to trust you. Yeah. Show me, what you're, show me what you're trying to teach me in this. Well, and I think, like, giving us free will, um, like, doubles his glory, you know, mm-hmm. because, like, through all the hard stuff, if we can still choose God, and if we can still say, like, I was blind, but now I can see, it doesn't it make it just that much better? more glorious absolutely you know one example that comes to my mind is john the baptist yeah so john the baptist jesus says about john the baptist he is the greatest man who's ever lived right so if jesus says you're the greatest man who's ever lived then you're the greatest man who's ever lived yeah um i mean and we're stacking that up against moses about, against against Abraham, Elijah. against Elijah, Love against him. Elisha. I mean, that's a pretty yeah. incredible claim. But Jesus says there's nobody greater that's mm-hmm. ever lived than John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist has this unbelievable opportunity, right? He gets to announce the coming of Jesus. He gets to do what these people would have just dreamed of, right? Mm-hmm. Could only imagine. Um, but, you know, Jesus says he's he's the greatest man. He's you, you can't compete with that. Okay, so but what happens to John the Baptist? Well, his life ends with his head getting cut off. Yeah, I was just, B- By Herod. Um, by, I mean, it's, it's a crazy story. Like, you could definitely go read and have fun with that passage because... Start there. Just his, kidding. <laughs> you know, his wife's daughter, who his wife was the wife of his brother, so it's like his sister-in-law's, now his wife, and so his niece is now his daughter it's kind of crazy but she was doing this very provocative dance i mean it must have been some dance because when she got done he was like i give you whatever you want up to half my kingdom you can have it yeah like that must have been a heck of a provocative dance for him just to give up whatever um and she said and then of course her mom steps in and says tell him you want the head of john the baptist on a 
platter, which is kind of a sick thing. Um, but that's what she does. And that's and how so, it was back then. So then he's, and then, then he's stuck. Because, I mean, there's indication that he really doesn't want to do this, right? Um, he knows that the people have a high regard for John the Baptist. And then even he likes to listen to him. You know, he thinks he's crazy, but he likes to listen to him. He's interesting yeah. enough to listen to. So, but during this tenure in prison, there's a moment when John sends his disciples to Jesus, to where he's at. And, and, and basically, it's in a moment of questioning. It's like, go, go find out if, if Jesus really is the Messiah. And that's the question. Are you the Messiah, or, or should we wait for somebody else? Mm-hmm. It's like John's questioning, like, why am I here? Yeah. Um, are you for real? Are, are you not going to come get me out of prison? Yeah. You're not going to help me? If so, you could help me, wouldn't you help me? That's right. Yeah. And so when they show up and they ask Jesus that question, Jesus' response to John's disciples is not, yes, I am. Go back and tell him, yes, I am. I know it sucks, but yes, I am. I, I am I am the Messiah. Now he says, go back and you tell John what you've seen. Yeah. Tell him that you've seen the blind have their sight restored. Tell him that you've seen the lame walk. Tell him that the deaf hear. You go back and tell him what I've done. That's the answer. And so they go back and they tell John what they have seen so that John knows. Mm-hmm. He's reassured in that moment. And Jesus does not get John out of prison. As a matter of fact, when you, if, you, if you look at what the text says next and you get a map out and you see where Jesus goes, he doesn't get closer to John. He goes way, way far away from John. Yeah. And John will pay with his life. Um, That's good. Yeah, I mean. So for us, though, and if, if you're someone that might get a little t- intimidated by reading something like that or it's just a little too heavy for you. I do have a verse for us, but not specifically. Um, Colossians 3, Mm. the first. Okay. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Mm -hmm. Set your minds on things above, Mm -hmm. not on earthly Mm -hmm. things. And then let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's on down. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Mm -hmm. And then further on in chapter 4, devote yourselves in prayer. That was really the only thing that I could come up with when I was praying <laughs> over this. I was like, okay, so, you know, pa- Paul, it's Paul, right? Yeah. He tells us how to think. If we're, if we're questioning God, he tells us how to think. Am I right? Absolutely. Um, and he calls us back to that. So I think, I think with this text, and, and I preached this text on Sunday, right? And then I use the story of David and Mephibosheth as, a, oh, yeah. as an illustration of this very text mm-hmm. of what you see that God that you know that God is calling us to set our minds on things above that we're that if his if his peace is going to rule in our hearts like we have to let it and that's what he says let the peace of Christ rule let his word dwell among us richly that it's not just going to happen like it, it it doesn't come automatic because you said a prayer okay you need to say that again because if you're zoning out this is this is the hard part like it sounds like really beautiful mm-hmm. and a little even passive yeah but like you have to fight to let this happen Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can't. This isn't just going to happen on its own. Um, so the whole idea that it sounds passive, well, it might sound passive, but if you're going to let something rule that is against your nature, against what would normally happen anyways, it's not going to happen by itself. So elsewhere, Paul, this is what we talked about um, in our men's ministry last night. Um, we're going to a study called How to Not Be Your Own Worst Enemy. Um, and it's Andy Stanley doing the study. Ouch. Man, this was like mic drop good stuff. Um, he did the most brilliant explanation of take every thought captive, make it submit. Oh, it's so good. Like I've never heard it explained so well. I was blown away. Tell me. Um, 
And so he started talking about, so first of all, which I love this part, he's talking about Paul's use of military language, military terminology. Um, and if you're a pacifist, <laughs> like, well, that's, it's kind of hard to, to reconcile that, you know. Um, but Paul, Paul does use military terminology from time to time, a couple of times. But it speaks to what you're up against. So when he says that we have the power to tear down strongholds, I mean, Paul is talking about demolishing strongholds and every pretense that sets itself up against the Word of God. He's using military language that this ain't going to be easy, right? It's going to take an all-out assault, an all-out attack on the strongholds to rip them down. I mean, this isn't, this isn't a barbed wire fence. This isn't um, a chain link fence. But this is, a, this is a fortress kind of a fence. This is a, this is a stronghold wall that you can't just knock this thing down. It's got to be torn down. It's going to take an army. It's going to take an attack and assault to do this. And so he starts walking through and says, hey, there are you know, when, what Paul's saying is that there are narratives in our life. There are stories that we have bought into, that we have told ourselves that have become strongholds, that have set themselves up against what God says, against what the direction that God has called us. And they're not going to come down by themselves. They have to be torn down. And so our fight, our struggle, we don't wage war the way the world wages war, but we take every one of these thoughts captive, yeah. and then we submit it. So to take something into captivity... That's, that's more military talk. Absolutely, that's right. It's like yeah. when, you, when you conquer a nation, you take those people into captivity. Well, how do you do that? Well, you put them in chains, and you tie them one to another, and you Pull take all they've got, and then you lead them out into captivity, which is exactly what happened to the Hebrew people. So they, they understand this language, right? So take it captive. Make that thing submit to you. Put it up against God's narrative, what God said, His word for your life, and then you begin to deconstruct those strongholds. You begin to deconstruct the lies. You begin to deconstruct those walls, tear them down, and then it does not end there. Because if you just end there, then something's got to, something, something will be, it'll be like a vacuum, right? Something's will come in there and take its place. So then he's basically like, build a fortress, build a citadel, build another stronghold that's based in my narrative, in my way, in my story. So anyways, I thought it was brilliant. He talked about taking, um, taking the, um, here, I'll just, I got to pull up my notes because I mean, I took so many notes. Um, we, we assault any narrative. So the narrative that we give, the narrative that we um, you know, believe ourselves, that stands in conflict to the knowledge, the word of God, what he, what he says. Um, I just thought that was brilliant. I thought mm -hmm. it was beautiful. We assault any narrative. And the whole idea was, you know, coming to think about narratives, is like, all right, what's your answer to this question? Why, why don't you just call your brother? Why, why, don't, why aren't you calling your sister? Why... Why, don't, why won't you forgive your, your dad? Why, why are you still holding this against your mom? Mm -hmm. why, why, why have you just refused to have the conversation? Why did you refuse to sit down with them? Why won't you forgive them? I mean, you, you follow Jesus and you know you're supposed to, but you've got a reason, like, why? And he's like, pay attention to the narrative. What is the story that you're telling in response to those questions? Because everybody's got a narrative that yeah. supports a compelling one that is supporting the reason or the answer for those questions. And, and you know, what, I mean, we don't have time to get into this. We'd go a different, a completely different Next week. Uh, right direction. But he said the moments in our life where I was on, where I was my own worst enemy, I had a narrative to support those moments. Oh, yeah. And you can find people to back you up. Yep. Shane, it's not that bad. We totally get it. Nobody wants to get hurt. 
Yes, a thousand percent. You know what I was thinking, and I don't want to take this away. Yeah. Do you, are you? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, if you actually have a story in your life or you've been able to put some pieces together mm -hmm. of where you feel like you have fought a stronghold and you broke through, um, then it, t it does feel like you fought a war. Yeah. And you probably had some prayer warrior warriors around you to help you do that. So it sort of does feel like a military battle, like you advanced oh, yeah. this way. Yeah. You know? Oh, it can be absolutely exhausting. Yeah. Um, but I, I think sometimes, like, you, you have to have that, like, we have these stories, these narratives that we tell ourselves, but I think you have to really pay attention to, like, the one or two times that you do have a huge breakthrough and, and write it down and post it somewhere where you can remember it because that's what you're talking about. And if you haven't lived through something like that or at least put words to it or legs to it, you're like, I don't even know what Paul's talking about. Set your mind on what what's above. Like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. You start to put your own story to it, and you're like, oh, I did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's easy to do, and I'll so I'll I'll let a little secret out. This is just this is this is must like I nobody knows this. Um, I haven't talked to anybody about this. Um, secret time. You know, from from this past week. So you know, talking about like that exhaustion and that that battle and that fight that you're up against. So Sunday, after I finished preaching, mm -hmm. like I felt defeated. It was a great message. Yeah. Look at all the notes no, no, no. I took. So this is what I'm telling you. So this is, the, this is here's a real world example, right? Now, I, I get it. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a preacher. So I'm just talking about this in the context of my job or whatever, my calling. Um, but I get done um, and I feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. And that exhaustion, I feel defeated. Because there was a spiritual battle going on there, right? Um, and the room is quiet. And I have to be careful that when the room is quiet, that it doesn't mean that people aren't listening or they don't like it or they don't get it. Um, but three women gave their life to Jesus and were changed forever on Sunday. And so the Lord just had to gently remind me that you're not defeated. You're tired. Yeah, you just fought. You're, you're not defeated. You just poured out and you've got to be refilled. You're not defeated. You, you, you gotta, you've got to be re-energized. Like, but I felt... See the see how the enemy works. Yeah, you're, and we've done. <laughs> oh, them. they were. Hey, they were quiet. Yeah. You just you gave everything you just have, Nobody and I still beat you. you. Yeah. And and luckily, I guess, or by the grace of God, that's that's much better way to think about this. At least for me, for me, is that three people raised their hand, three grown women raised their hand, to say, I, I, but I gave my life to Jesus today. It, that, it, this changed my life today. Isn't it so like us humans to focus on like the one negative, which is that maybe your congregation was a little quiet? Do you know what I'm saying? That's how, how, the how many works, times right? do we do that? We're like, I mean, that's so great that they did that, but like, no one was talking to me. The, the, the altar was full. Uh -huh. Like there was, I yeah. mean, there were people all over the altar on the Sunday. Altar. So that's great. It's just hey, thanks for being real because yeah. I think that's what people want to hear. Well, I mean, it's, that's, the, that's an example of the narrative, right? Where the, the totally. enemy starts getting in our head about something. I was talking to one of my soldiers this past week, and man, he's, been, he's been battling with a lot over the last, I'd say, six months. And um, he's just not an anxious person, but he's become very anxious. He's not a, a, a depressed kind of a person, but he's become very depressed. I mean, he's a great soldier. He's a great non-commissioned officer. A great, like, he's a follower of Jesus, and he's... And he's um, He's real about that, you know. Um, it's not just something that he does. This is a lifestyle for him, but he's just been going through some some struggle. And when when I was listening to him, because he was like, "Can I just talk to you? I just I need I, I got to do something different. I need some help here." 
And as we're listening, and I, I start listening to him speak, and I just kept hearing the lies. Oh, and just believing. And luckily, life. I could hear the lies, right? Like, luckily, I was in a place, uh, by the grace of God, yeah, <laughs> I you, was in Jesus. a place to be able to, to recognize it. Because otherwise, I don't, yeah. yeah. And I just, so and to give it a small example, he was like, you know, two other soldiers that are superior to him in rank, um, in the authority position, everything. Um, you know, they, they would meet or talk or whatever, and then they would close the door. And then he couldn't hear what was going on. And his mind started going, well, they wow. must be talking about me. Like, they're, I mean, I wonder, they're upset with me. Yeah. They didn't include me I've in done this. Something. They didn't, yeah, like, what, what am I not doing? And, he, and as he's talking, I'm like, okay, that's a lie. Like, I, your mind just created that, that scenario. Your mind just created that story based off of how you feel. Based off of your anxiety and your worry, and you just projected that on them. Mm-hmm. Hey, it could be this is like something that you don't need to know about. And I've never heard them say a cross word about you. Um, I know that they love you. I know that they are very supportive of you. I know that they appreciate the hard work that you do. So you just made something that you saw, you observed based off of how you feel about you. And it's a lie because it's, it's not truth. You don't know that. You created that story in your mind. And the enemy's like, yes. That's right. But, but, but see the truth in it? The truth is they are talking quiet. And the truth is they did shut the door. And the truth is they didn't ask you to be a part of the conversation. And the truth, there is so much truth that spun into the best lies of the enemy. That's really good because we do it all the time. All the time. Like daily. So to tear down that stronghold when it starts to build, it, build itself up is, man, I'm going to demolish every narrative that conflicts yeah. with, uh, with the narrative, the value system that has been given to us by Jesus. Who does he say he, he is? Who does he say that we are? What are we called to in him? You've got, you got to spend time in the Word to know that. Mm-hmm. You, it just, it's not going to you know, automatically pop into your yeah. mind. But God will use it once it's in there. And find a version that's easy for you to read. Mm-hmm. Which one do you like? I, I most often use the NIV, yeah, but I study, I, I study also from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, HCSB, because I have the Tony Evans Study Bible, and so that's what's at my house. Yeah. That's when I sit in my chair to get alone with God in the morning. That's what I open up to. Or just go back and forth on your phone, but yeah, if you do need to read this. This is Colossians um, 3, right? Yeah, and, and I like four. to do it in the paper because I'm like, you like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take notes. Yeah. I'm going to underline something that stands out. I'm going to make a little note to the side. And that stuff is so valuable to me um, because I'll go back to it. I mean, sometimes people are hearing messages from notes that I have written or taken four years ago yeah. or five years ago or something that I wrote down. And then I'm, 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 you know, I'm working on the message and I'm working on the manuscript of it. And I think about that. I'm like, gosh, I think about it. So I go up to, to, to do a little search in the notes on my phone and I'll type something in um, and find out where it was and then pull out you know, a binder or a notebook or whatever. And I, and, I, and I can go back and go, oh, wow, this is powerful. This works for a day. So God spoke a word four years ago that now is going to be shared. You know, it was to me then, but now it's about to be for everybody because he just called it to my attention. Yeah, it's alive. If you don't write it down, though, you don't have it. Yeah. It's not a tool for you. If you don't, and that's why I'm a proponent about you ought to take notes during the messages mm-hmm. on Sunday. Because if God spoke to you, if it was enough for you to write something down, like if, if, it, if it moves you in some way, you should write it down. Um, at least put it in your phone or something so that at some point you can come back to it. Or that you can just maybe part of your quiet time refer back to it. Otherwise, you're just taking notes and it's meaningless. No, I agree. And I also think what you just said, like a tool, like you use those very words. I'll just give you an example. This is from Shane's message on Sunday. He said, don't let the enemy spin it another way. Just very simple. Like 
anybody could have said that to me, mm -hmm. but I wrote it down and now I could like spitball that back. If I'm having a moment where I'm believing a narrative that's not true, yeah. I'm like, don't let the enemy spin it any other way. Mm -hmm. Like the truth is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you said something very simple, but I totally like using that as a tool can use it today. For sure. So that was really good. Yeah. Okay, friend. Good podcast. Yeah, that was a good word. That was um, more smooth than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I know. We I surprised him today. <laughs> okay, we hope you have a great day and we will see you back here next Thursday. All right, we'll see you next time, guys. There we go.